0: Hello, y'all. You guys doing good? Excited for the third week of January? You guys aren't excited? excited. I need a little bit more excitement in the house this morning before I preach this message. Are y'all excited? It's the third week of January. Or some of y'all are now back at work. People are about to go back to school, so now your your summer mood is fading. It's okay. I'm going to lift it back up. Don't worry about it. We're going to go straight into the book of James, chapter 4. And I want to look at two verses, verses 6 and 10. So if you got your Bible, pull that out, go there now, or your Bible app, or you can follow along on the screen because i got it up here too. It says, but he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you're proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. So be willing to be made low before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Now, I was reading from the Passion Translation. Whatever translation you're reading, basically what he's saying is like, look, I'm not a fan of those prideful people. I actually like the humble people. And when people make themselves low in humility, I'm gonna be the one to raise them up. And so today, I actually want to talk about a topic that not many people like to talk about, especially millennials and Gen Zs. Now, this doesn't rule out the other people and other generations. We should all talk about it because it's relevant for everybody. But especially those generations, they kind of resist it with every ounce of their being. And when they do resist it, then instead we get something called pride building up in our hearts. And we all know that pride comes before the fall. See, when we think we know better than God, or when we think we know better than the people God has appointed into positions of leadership, then that could actually lead us to a point of brokenness and despair. And so today I want to talk about the juicy topic of submission. Say submission? Some of y'all just hated saying it. It's one of those words where you're like, ooh, that is so not 2020. Um, but we're going to talk about it today, and this message I've got for y'all is called "sub to the mission." If you're taking notes, write that down: sub to the mission." Now, when I was in uni, one of my favorite classes that I ever took was a class called Toy Product Design. I loved it. It was brilliant and so fun, and the professor was wonderfully quirky, and all the teaching assistants wore these white lab coats with colorful name tags, and we got to study the psychology of play, but also the art of toy making, and then we would physically design toys from a moment of ideation all the way to final production. And so throughout the semester, we designed prototype after prototype after prototype, did a lot of test play in between, more prototypes, and finally got to our final products that we Presented at our presentations because that 's what we do as toy designers, um, but we presented it there at presentations, and even one time I got to visit Hasbro, which is an incredible toy company. When I walked into Hasbro, I saw all of their original, like classic toys in glass cases like a museum. But also I went into their cafeteria where all of their employees were eating lunch, and there were all of the new up-and-coming board games and toys out on their tables that they were playing with in order to iron out the kinks before it ever surfaced into this consumer world, which was pretty incredible. See, before any toy makes it to the store, to be sold and then bought by a lovely parent for their little girl or their little boy before it ever gets there, it has to go through iterations and revisions and a lot of test play until it is deemed worthy to surface to the consumer world. If it surfaces too early, it could completely flop and completely fail, and it would be hard to recover from there because the world then has a tainted first impression. So you really want that research and development phase to be thorough before the launch. In fact, all great companies do this, right? You might work for a company that designs a specific product, and all great companies that are designing products that we consume in some way or another, they're going through very thorough research and development. They're scrutinizing every single aspect of that product because they want to make sure it's the best it can be before it's ever released, right? Think about like the iPhone. How many versions do we have now? 11, right? Is anybody still on an iPhone 1? I would hope not. (laughs) We're we're moving up in in uh, in the iPhone versions, but every single version comes out with new and improved features, right? And improved quality all around. Successful companies are always submitting their products to this R&D before they ever launch to make sure that it's the best it could possibly be once it reaches the surface. Now, isn't it interesting that all of these products that we buy, we want them to always go through this change and this development and this improvement, but yet we resist that very improvement in our own lives. We resist that, that very development in our own lives. Think about it. Our culture resists the process of development when it doesn't look nice, when it doesn't feel nice, when it doesn't fit the Instagram feed, when it doesn't make us go immediately viral overnight, when it just isn't so glamorous. But y'all, development, it's not glamorous, and it definitely doesn't always feel nice, but God is way more interested in your character than your comfort. He's more interested in your character than your comfort. Now, you might wanna live your life in a cushioned little bubble, but I can tell you this, If you want God to help you grow into who you're created to be, he's going to pop that bubble of yours and push you outside of your comfort zone. But you can only get to who you're created to be through a process of submission. In fact, if you want to allow God to refine you and pull out everything that he's got for you, you've got to be sub to his mission. And God is trying to do something in you under the surface before you ever surface. He wants to do something in you under the surface that nobody else can see before you ever surface. And if you don't undergo this process of refining as an individual, as a leader in some capacity, as an influencer in this world in some capacity, then you might actually have your growth or your calling stunted before you get there. We read in James, God resists you when you're proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. We gotta be willing to be made low in order for God to exalt us and lift us up. See, God doesn't like it when people try to exalt themselves. He doesn't like it when people try to climb their own way, get their own way up to the top, because he he actually looks at the humble guys, he goes, I like those guys. The humble guys I can work with. The humble guys, I can actually exalt them and lift them up because they're depending on my strength, not their own. You know, I see this creeping up in more and more people these days. Because we live in this world where you can actually become viral overnight for doing something really dumb. Right? If anybody's ever watched YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or anything, you could become viral overnight for doing something really dumb. Now some of y'all, have, has any of you ever watched a Dr. Phil? You guys know Dr. Phil? Yeah? Do you remember years ago when there was this 13-year-old girl on Dr. Phil? and she wanted to challenge Dr. Phil into the audience to a fight out in the parking lot. And she said, in her language, catch me outside, how about that? <laughs> Do y'all remember that? What she's saying is catch me outside, how about that? But in her slang, is catch me outside, how about that? She's saying that to the whole audience. This girl, that video went viral, viral, to the point where she was then paid $30,000 to make appearances at certain events. By 14 she became a millionaire for being obnoxious. This is the world we live in today where people can take this overnight sensation step. This has become a regular thing. Now people want to assume that the same algorithm that worked for them on TikTok or on YouTube is gonna work for them in real life. And one of the hit songs in 2019, maybe you heard it, by Ariana Grande where she sang, I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it. Y'all know that song? A song that's basically about instant gratification, instant success, not at all about humility. In fact, it's, it's about the world we live in where it just promotes the proud and the loud. People want to step into higher roles of influence. People want to step into positions of power without understanding the cost and the sacrifice of the development that it's going to take to get there in order to not just reach that position but maintain it. Now, Jesus, he wasn't shy of submission. He wasn't shy of it at all. In fact, he, he embodied submission throughout his entire life. His whole life was sub to the mission on his life. And there's this incredible story of Jesus as a 12-year-old boy. Now, can you realize that? Jesus was once an intermediate. Like, he was once 12. And so we read the story of Jesus as a 12-year-old in Luke chapter 2. I'm reading verses 42 to 52. It says, when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual, and after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now, his parents didn't miss him at first because they just assumed he was among the other travelers. There was a big group that went out to this festival and a big group going back. They're like, Jesus is in here somewhere. We'll find him when we get back, right? But when he didn't show up that evening, they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. Now, get this, Jerusalem to Nazareth is not like Papakura out to Hawick. Jerusalem to Nazareth is a 30 hour walk. That's a long way. So, this journey would usually take them three to five days to complete, depending on how much they walk that day and where they stop over at night. So, they've probably walked at least eight to 10 hours today and then finally stopped for the evening and realized Jesus isn't here. Not good, right? Verse 45 says, When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. And three days later, now raise your hand for me if you're a parent. Now, imagine you lost your kid for three days, right? Panic would set in your heart. Imagine you were the parents of the son of God and you lost him. Like that is the most important role you have ever played in your entire life. God has trusted you to be the earthly parents to his son and you lost him for three days. So I imagine this is probably a really long walk that Mary and Joseph are going on, right? Mary's probably like, Joseph, don't you dare tell God that we lost his son. And Joseph's like, Mary, he already knows. He's God. It was your fault. You're supposed to be looking after him. Like imagine that conversation for eight to 10 hours, walking back to find him three days, three days later, they find Jesus chilling in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think, though. Mary says, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. And Jesus is like, why do you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. So they returned to Nazareth. He returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, you might have missed something critical that happened in this moment. See, most people read this scripture and they're like, wow, everybody's listening to a 12-year-old teach. But verse 51 says something really important. It says that Jesus left the temple with his earthly parents and was obedient to them. He was obedient to them. After this moment... We didn't hear anything from Jesus for 18 years when he started his ministry as a 30-year-old. You know what Jesus submitted as a 12-year-old boy? He submitted his potential. He submitted his potential. Now I know that there might be grace, greatness on your life, but in this moment, maybe God is asking you, hey, will you just submit your potential? I know that maybe one day you actually might want to own your own business. Maybe one day you feel called to be a pastor. Maybe one day you feel called to be an influencer or a CEO or doing something great. But right now, could you just submit your potential to me? There's a lot of people out there in the world doing everything they could to climb higher. But it's not necessarily what they should be doing at all. And then they're going to use scripture to justify what they're doing by saying, well, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? That's true. But if you're trying to do it in your way and in your timing and not in God's timing, do you think that God's gonna give you the strength to supersede his plan? Like we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but we also gotta do it in his timing. You know, when we were youth pastors, we had countless teenagers come up to us, and they've been saved all of like a week, and there's been a word spoken over their life, and somebody called out leadership on their life and said, you know what, one day you're going to be a preacher. And so they come to us, and they're like, Darcy, God's called me to preach, so can I preach at Oxygen next week? Now let me just paint this picture. What they're asking, when we ran the Botany Youth, they're asking, hey, can I preach a 20-minute message in front of 200 teenagers? That's what they're asking, okay? So they come up to us, and in those moments, we're like, That is awesome that God has spoken to you about the calling on your life. That is so amazing that you want to be a preacher one day. Let's start with your testimony. This this week, I want you to go away. I want you to write it out, and let's work on it together. And then I want you to share that testimony at Voltage in front of our intermediates first. Now, in this moment, some high school students get really eager, and their motives are kind of misguided. And they're like, no, no, no. See, Darcy, um, I don't need to write it down because I'm going to speak from the heart. And God's just going to tell me what I need to say, and it needs to be at oxygen. We had this happen to us all the time. And in the weeks that follow this conversation, we can easily tell who was submitted to the call on their life and was willing to take the necessary steps for development and improvement, and who just thinks they've already made it, and they're ready to take the overnight sensation step. Can I tell you something? God cares about the people on the other side of your purpose too much to let you get there too soon. He cares about the people on the other side of your purpose, too much to let you get there too soon. There are people that you are meant to reach. There are. there are. there There's businesses that you are meant to start. There's books that you're meant to write. There are people that you are meant to lead, but God cares about those people way too much for you to get there too soon because he knows that there's key revelations he wants to bring in you and through you along the way. Jesus knew all of this, and at 12 years old, he submitted to his earthly parents the authority he was currently under, the authority he was currently under, knowing it wasn't his time yet, knowing it wasn't time to truly reveal his purpose or his power, and so for 18 years, he continued to grow and mature and gain favor with both his heavenly father and with humanity. Now, this is massive. You might be thinking, well, well, Darcy, I got so much potential, like I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, when is my boss going to ask me for my opinion? When am I going to get that promotion that I deserve? When am I going to get to lead worship up here? When am I going to get to preach? You might be thinking, you've got all this potential, but can I tell you something? If you've never submitted to God's plan on your life, if you never submitted to his mission on your life, if you've never submitted to the authority that you are currently under, even if you don't like it, then... Your purpose might not be fully realized. The second thing you need to submit is your preference. You want to submit your potential and submit your preference. Jesus did that very thing. In fact, I'll show you two different examples where he submitted his preference to his mother, his earthly mother, Mary, and then also to his heavenly father. See, in this moment in John chapter 2, verse 3 to 5, we see this conversation happen between Jesus and Mary because they're out at this wedding, and the wedding runs out of wine. And so Mary comes to Jesus and says, they have no more wine. And Jesus says, dear woman, that's not our problem. Well, he probably said it real nice because he's Jesus. He probably said dear woman, that's not our problem. My time has not yet come, but his mom told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Get this. In this moment, Mary hears Jesus say, mom, it's not my time yet, right? She hears him full well. She looks at him and she looks at the servants. She goes, just do whatever he tells you. He's going to make this happen, right? In this moment, Jesus didn't prefer it but he submitted to the request from his earthly mother. And in that moment, he performed his first miracle of turning water into wine. It wasn't his preference, but he submitted. Later in Matthew 26, 39, in the moments before Jesus is betrayed and arrested, he prays this prayer. He says, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He says, not my will but your will. Now you need to know that Jesus is fully God and also fully man. And now the fully human side of him knows that he's about to get arrested and that means he's gonna get brutally tortured and then crucified and die. He knows it's gonna happen and so the human nature in him cries out saying, God, I don't, I don't really wanna do this. Like, If you could take this suffering away from me, I would prefer that, but I'm gonna put my feelings aside and I'm gonna go through with your plan. See, it wasn't his preference, but it was his purpose. It wasn't his preference, but it was his purpose. Growth is found in true submission to God and the plan on your life and the authority he has currently placed you under. Now I want you to think about a seed. You can see this photo up here, but whether or not a seed grows is largely determined by if it's on top of or under the dirt, right? Now we all wanna be on top because on top's way more comfortable. But the only way you're gonna grow is if you actually get under Some dirt, but it doesn't always feel nice, you know? The dirt, you know what that looks like? It looks like when God brings us tests and pressures from all sides. Sometimes it's in the form of a boss you just don't like. Maybe it's a parent that you don't get on well with or a team leader at work, whatever it may be. It might be a teacher that you just think is out to get you, I don't know. But these tests and these pressures come along inside of us and they'll ask us to do things for our development Well, this is how often people respond. People get in this situation where they're in the dirt and they feel how uncomfortable it is, and they're like, I don't need this. I don't need you. I can make it on my own. And they want to step out of it real too quick. You know, on those TV singing competition shows, when people say, whatever, you ain't seen the last of me, it's usually the last we see of them. (laughs) Like, honestly, (laughs) people get in these moments where they're like, Nah, see what you're asking of me, it just ain't me. In fact, I want to be my own boss. I don't want to be under anybody else's authority because that just ain't my thing and they step out of it too early. But can I tell you, God might just come along and sit your little butt down. He might, because if you don't choose humility, then you actually risk facing humiliation. If you don't choose humility, you're going to risk facing humiliation. See, we got all these people that are in this moment trying to push their own plans and their own potential and their own preference up to the top before they are fully matured in their purpose. See, they're not ready to surface yet, but they're saying, nah, this is uncomfortable. I want out of here, but I get it, y'all. It doesn't doesn't feel nice. Development doesn't always feel nice, especially when you're packed in from all sides. You know, it didn't feel nice when God first uprooted me from America and sent me to New Zealand with the bait of dance. Used to be a dancer, y'all, no more. It didn't feel nice when I was at a dance studio and was harshly ridiculed by people I had just met. It didn't feel nice when I left that studio and went to ELC Bible College and was surrounded by some holy rolling Jesus lovers that were Pentecostal. That was the first time I had experienced Pentecostal church in my life. Now I'm a part of it. Love it. Amen. But in that moment, I didn't know what was really going on, but I had to submit my feelings And my preference, because I knew God was doing a work in me like never before. You know, it didn't feel nice when he uprooted me again. He said, okay, now that you found your husband, Frosty, we were dating at that time. He said, I'm going to take you back to Boston. Took me all the way back to Boston where I was working at a firm. It didn't feel nice when I was working 70 to 80 hours a week. For oppressive managers that, here, true story, they asked me to quit dancing in the evenings, my dance practices, because they wanted me to always be available and on call to them. Those were my managers. That didn't feel nice. It didn't feel nice when I was locked in a contract that I couldn't get out of. But can I tell you, it was in those moments when I had pressures on all sides, when projects were piled on top of me, when micromanagers ruled over me, when my tears went down my cheeks as I cried out to God, as I time Frosty for an entire year, and I just said, God, I need you in this moment. And it was there that my tears watered this seed. In those moments when you feel like you got dirt on all sides, can I tell you, your tears are actually watering your growth. It's watering your seed until it's time for you to surface. And you only surface on God's cue. Keys can join me now. Because it was there in that humility where I said, God, I'm going to honor where it is you've currently positioned me. And I'm gonna honor the authority you've currently put me under. And I'm gonna do whatever I can here so that you can grow me. And it was there in that humility that God then raised me up to the surface and showed me my purpose. And he uprooted me again and took me back to New Zealand where I went straight into ministry within a week of arriving in this country. But can I tell you something? If I hadn't gone back to Boston for that year, I wouldn't have been ready for my purpose. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been fully matured in my walk with him I wouldn't have been fully matured in my relationship with Frosty. I wouldn't have been fully matured in my knowledge of growing businesses that I can now use to grow a church and to plant churches. God used all of that to get me here. Here's the thing. God needed those years of me being in the dirt where I could grow, where I could be stretched in order for me to be fully realized in my purpose. And sometimes when we're in a time of submission, we look at this moment When we got dirt all around us and we're like, I feel like I'm in the grave. Like I feel like my dreams are just dead here and like God's forgotten about me. But can I tell you, it's not a grave. It's a garden. This is a garden. And watch this. This is where you learn to live a crucified life. Where you're stretched where you're molded, where you are pulled beyond reason and all you can do is look up and say, God, I'm gonna wait on you to raise me and to pull me up into my purpose at the right time. It's not a grave, y'all, it's a garden that you're in. Does the dirt feel messy? Yes, but is it necessary? Oh yes. Can I tell you something? If you wanna grow personally, you've gotta be sub to the mission. If you want your business to grow or your company to grow or your influence to grow, you gotta be sub to the mission. And that includes being submitted to the current authority that you are currently under. That might be your boss or your manager, your current team leader, your current teacher, or even your parents. And guess what? It's not submission until you don't agree. It's easy to be submitted when we agree, right? It's easy to go along with it we you're like, yeah, yeah. That's definitely the way to do it. But what about when you don't agree? That's when the true test of submission comes in. When you don't agree with the call that your boss made, could you still submit yourself in humble obedience? Or are you gonna go trash talk them to other employees? There's a difference here. Humility versus pride. See, when your boss makes that call that you don't necessarily agree with, it doesn't give you any good reason to go whinge about it to other employees and go sideways. In fact, in those moments, we just gotta go up. You don't need to go sideways and whinge about things and whinge about this dirt that you're in. You just need to go up and say, God, I don't understand this call, but I'm gonna submit to this authority that I'm currently under, and I'm gonna wait on you to raise me and surface me on your cue. That's when you learn true submission. We gotta live our lives the way James said. He said, get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you're gonna get on your feet. Our posture, our posture needs to be one of humility, before God and before people. You know what that looks like? In your prayer, it looks like being down on your knees and saying, God, this doesn't feel nice, but I'm gonna be here and I'm gonna let you stretch me and grow me because I wanna make sure that I raise generations that come after me that know what true development and growth looks like. I don't want them to think that it's just this overnight sensation step, but I want them to know that this is the posture that we need to live with, a posture of humility where we get on our knees before God so that he can raise us up at the right time, so that he can raise us up into the position we desire, so he can take us higher, but it starts by going lower, lower in our posture, not in our attitude lower in our posture of prayer. This is how we've gotta lead our lives. Because get this, as a Christian, people will look at the way you live your life more than what you say. They're gonna look at the way that you live your life in obedience to God, but also how you respond to the people and the authority around you. That's what they're gonna catch. And I can tell you there's so many young people out there, young orphans with dreams, that they wanna pursue greatness, but they need people to show them how to pursue that greatness in a God-honoring way. And it starts here. It starts here by saying, God, I don't know how long I'm gonna be in this garden, but I trust you and I'm submitted to you and I know that you're teaching me something here. And can I tell you, the most honorable thing you can do before God is become humble on your knees And at the same time, it's the most rebellious thing that you can do to the world. And I can tell you in 2020 and in my life, I wanna be a rebel on my knees before God. If you wanna be a rebel in this world, just get on your knees before God in defiance to the world, but in obedience to, to God. God has so much greatness in you. There is leadership on your life. There is influence on your life. And I know this, because he put it in every single one of us. Every single one of us is special and uniquely wired in some way. That's why we go through growth track so that we can discover everything that he's put in us. But there will be times when he needs you to be in the dirt so that you can grow. Don't surface yourself too early because there's greatness in you and he wants to be the one to call it out of you. I'm gonna pray for y'all. God, we just thank you so much that with every aspect of life, you show us how to live. You didn't just tell us, but your son, Jesus came to this earth and showed us what it would look like to live a life that could honor you and be obedient to you, a life where we can pursue that greatness in your timing, in your way, in your preference. So God, right now in this moment, we put all of our preferences aside. We put our potential aside and we say, God, Stretch us and grow us and surface us, surface us when it's your time. I want to pray one more prayer so if everybody could keep their heads bowed and their eyes closed. There's a group of people here where maybe you've never met this God that I talk about. Can I tell you, he's amazing. Those songs that we sang earlier today where we sang about his faithfulness and his greatness, it's all true. It's all truth here. God loves you and he is faithful and he's got promises for you. He's got goodness for you. And can I tell you, a life with him is one simple prayer away. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you wanna start a life with Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now in the middle of my dirt, in the middle of this pressure, and I know I can't do this on my own strength. I know I can't live this life in my own way. I know that my preferences don't need to be realized in this moment, my potential doesn't need to be realized in this moment. But in this moment, God, what I need is you. What I need is a relationship with you. I need your love and your grace and your forgiveness. God, would you be the Lord and the savior of my life? I wanna know you.